Good afternoon, goons. We're back after a long hiatus again. <laughs> Seems like we're doing that a lot lately, eh? Yeah, yeah. We're busy working and stuff, so <laughs> can't blame us. Yeah, for some reason, all three of us just got really busy with work like, just at the same time. Yeah, I think it just like two or three months just like flew by, and we're all just like, hey, I haven't done one of these in a while. <laughs> I should touch base again. You know, it feels like it feels like we, we've been locked in a in a cave or like a, a bunker for like X amount of years. We just walk out like, oh shit, look at everything. Literally, I can't believe how fast the summer's gone by. Like it's end of September already. It literally feels like it was June, like yesterday. It's yeah, crazy. I, like I have like three weeks of warm weather, and then we walk outside the other day it was fucking cold. I put my winter jacket on. Yeah, yeah, perfect. <laughs> all right, anyway. well we'll get a we'll we'll update us here, anyways. I know we. All, all of us are a little bit out of the loop on the markets just because we have, have been just so busy doing other stuff with our other businesses. But we'll uh, we'll take a little bit of a dive in here and give you guys our thoughts and kind of roll with that. That'll be kind of the framework for today. Yeah, I was telling Kaylin earlier, like, uh, I actually haven't had a chance to look at the charts in a while. So I actually do want his opinion on it. And I figure we could start with the, uh, the SP 500. Do you want to look at the monthly or the weekly? I like the weekly. Weekly? All right. Yeah. Should we get volume up on there too? Oh yeah, okay. Uh, why is the volume not showing up? No. Candles don't mean anything without volume. <laughs> Interesting. It's not showing up. No volume data. Oh, that's weird. Um, let me kill that and just restart it. Yeah, re-add it. <clears throat> yeah. So. I know everybody, it's funny now, like everybody's starting to talk about like major reset. Like every time I open my phone or any like business newswire thing, it's always talking about recessions again. Like everybody's saying, oh, we're going to the worst recession in history. This guy's saying it's the end of days and that's all you hear and all you hear. And like, I don't know, anytime I start hearing stuff like that, I tend to think it's the opposite's going to happen. So <laughs> I'm just, I'm annoyed and kind of relieved because like we've kind of been calling that for like a long time, like months out. And well, it's funny because I remember when we, were, when we were talking, even like at the start of this year, like we were saying, you know, we're in a recession already. And everybody was saying, I think, you know, things are fine. Things are fine. And we were saying, no, we're already in a recession. Like the inflation's through the roof, like stock market's down X amount. It's been selling off all year. Like we're already into a recession. Yeah, that's weird. For some reason, the, the one on that list is not showing volume, but the one on my, my actual working list is, so let me just get rid of all this shit for you. Okay. Yeah, there's the volume. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Do, do you want the volume price indicator or you don't look at that? No, it's okay. No, I look at that a little bit, but it's not a huge indicator. Not on the S&P really. I mean, to a certain degree, but yeah, like what I, like what I see right now is basically, you know, one of, one of two things can happen either. Like we're in a downtrend, obviously, like we're, we're trending down. So the, the overall market sentiment is bearish for sure. I mean, everybody knows that. Um, but we're kind of an inflection point right here. This is actually probably a pretty good week to do this is because we have a double bottom right now on the weekly. Yeah. So really one of two things can happen. Like if you see a double bottom, it's either going to, it's either going to bounce, you know, this coming week and it'll stay up and we might start to see a reversal or if it goes lower and closes below that previous low, then we'll just keep trending downwards and then we'll wait for, for another double bottom to form before we get a reversal. So, um, there's not really any like good call to make at this point. Uh, like I said, it could either it could go either way. It really could go either way. We are at sort of that uh, you know that three sixty sort of area that uh, that we were talking about. I think in January we were talking about that how like that three 
330s to kind of 360 area was like that was sort of our window where we thought we were going to find a bottom um so we could bottom off here potentially um i think the other option is that we go we dip below and we go back down to the COVID highs which is the three the 330 sort of area um maybe bounce off that and maybe that's where we find our bottom um if we don't find a bottom there then we could definitely come down a lot further for sure um but that's that's really what i'm looking for right now is i just want to see if that thing is going to bottom out there in reverse because you'll notice like i remember when we first came below the four thousand mark there like it came below it and then if you notice every time every time we, we get to the bottom you'll see the volumes a little bit elevated yeah. so even even since basically january like that very first like green reversal candle we had back in where was that like yeah like end of january sort of thing yeah, like those candles sort of in that area. You can see the volume on that, right? The big green candle. So every time it's every time it's dipped to a significant degree, it's been there's been higher volume and that's that's people buying, right? Like that's usually people accumulating to a certain degree. Um so the fact that I'm seeing like every single dip is kind of basically being bought up for lack of a better term, like that tells me that there's some sort of accumulation going on. Um, I think the first couple ones were probably just because people didn't realize that we were starting to turn into a bear market. Um, so those might have been a bit premature. And then we, that's probably why we got those those two dips and then the really steady hard selling for, you know, what is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, like eight weeks. So like a full two months. Basically, we closed red every week. Um, and then now we're at a point where we're basically bottoming again and on high volume both times. So when we had that that recent bounce there that got up over the four the four thousand mark and then up over that previous little high that it made just before that um that could have been a signal like that's that's what i want to see i want to see that same sort of thing but it has to be on higher volume so you'll notice like the top of that where we broke over the four thousand was on lower volume compared to the lows yeah so when we pushed over that prior high we basically broke through a resistance level and there was even less volume um as we broke through right there yeah. So when we have lower volume going through a level, that's I mean that's a, that's a short signal really to me is if we're if we're going to new highs on lowering volume, then that shows you there's no buying interest. So that's uh, that's either a time when you want to sell if you're long or go short if you're a short seller. Um, and then as we keep seeing the volume the volume increases on the bottom, you know the more that happens, if like if we start to I think best like best case scenario in my opinion is we start to kind of go sideways for a little while and get a few bottoms in there. And if all those bottoms were constantly seeing big high volume spikes on every bottom, and that that shows you that you know the big money, the hedge funds and stuff are accumulating their shares, and then that's when they're going to start pushing the market back up. So if we keep seeing those big volume spikes on the bottom, and that you know that this the slope of that curve basically starts to flatten out, and we start seeing more volume on the bottoms, then what's going to happen eventually is when it does break a high, we'll see we'll then see a high volume spike as it breaks a high. So once that happens, then that shows you that the whole sentiment shifted and then we've ideally gone back into a bull market. Um, but until we see that, like until we see like a solid volume push to new highs, new highs meaning over a prior resistance level or a prior top, we're still in a bear market in my opinion. And every single time it's gone to a new high or, or broken through a new high um, in the short term has always been on lower volume. So that tells me we're still in a bear market. Remember one of these charts I drew my long-term forecast. I was gonna, I, and it was something. I, it looked like a W, but it stretched all the way up until like 2023, 2024. And I said that's when we're gonna have the new bull market, the actual new. Yeah, bull that's, market that's right. what we were. That's what we've been saying for a while now. Is that I was like, we were all thinking like 20, like end of 2023 kind of thing. Like it's the funniest thing too, because like I see like 
I see people post and like when I say when I just say people, the generic people, like I'm talking like, you know, hedge fund managers, Wall Street guys, like big name people in the industry. And like I remember seeing even like two months ago, like some big name guys, I can't remember who were saying like all oh, the S&P is going to be at new highs before the end of this year. And, you know, I was kind of thinking that's a little bit that seems a little bit, uh, you know, overexcited to me. And then you hear other people now that were a couple months later now because we go that was when we were getting through the four thousand dollar mark again everybody's getting all excited and then it comes back down and now that we're down near lows again everybody's saying oh this is going to be the worst recession of all time like blah 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 so i never really listen to that stuff i mean like i i think all of us have really kind of been on the same page as where we don't think we're going to see new highs until probably close to 2024 realistically i think that would that'd give us enough time to sort of you know consolidate and set a base and let everybody kind of you know let the let the funds sort of transfer around let everybody get settled and then sort of start cruising up again nice and slow until we get into the the early 2030s when we're supposed to get the the most catastrophic crash of our history <laughs> uh you know what what's interesting though how long <clears throat> have we been it's been what 37 weeks mm-hmm. it's 37 weeks so almost it's over half a year over half a year now we've been we've been pretty much selling off yeah like lower lower highs except for well this is still be, be seen but look like possibly lower lows so it's like we're in a real healthy bear market the thing is a lot of people don't think about is um is time correction right it, it, mm-hmm. the, like it's been over a year so then there's a certain amount of time that passes and that kind of counts towards uh, correction as well like you don't necessarily have to bottom out at a certain price point right um so like yeah because like even if you look at like i'm just looking on my chart over here like if you look at the 2008 we sort of peaked in september of two th- or sorry 2000 we peaked in september of 2000 and then we bottomed in October of 2002, roughly. So that was about two years. And then 2008 was basically October of 07. And then we bottomed in March of 09. So that was about a year and a half. And that one was a lot quicker, right? Like that one dropped really hard, really fast. So it was faster too. Recovery was faster because it dropped faster, right? And that was the same thing as COVID. Like COVID was such a short, fast drop. That's why it bounced up like just as fast. Like if you look at any of those kind of crashes, like it almost seems to take like, you know, like two to three times longer to come back. So if you have like a six month crash, then it'll probably hit new highs within another year sort of thing or a year and a half. If you have like a year long crash, it might take two to three years before you get to new highs. Like that's that's just kind of like historically roughly what the time frame seemed to look like if you look at those things. But like the way we're going now, I mean, the, the 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 trend, like the chart looks the same as it did in the top of 2000, the same as it did in the top of, uh, you know, 2007, 2008. So that's why I'm just, you know, I'm just thinking like, what what's the next step here? Like, are we going to kind of start bottoming out here and cruising up? And this will just be like another little blip like we had in, you know, sort of 2015 type of thing? Or are we going to really see like a big wash down, like maybe to the, you know, to the low 200s again, or the low 2000s on the S&P? And, and then it'll be like a full, like a full recession, like a real recession that lasts, you know, several years and maybe 10 years until we get to the top. I don't think that's going to happen because a lot of the factors aren't the same, like as they were back then. Um, like people always say, oh, this is the exact same as 2008. It's not. There's a lot of different factors going on. It's a completely different situation. So like people have to stop comparing that. Um, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not an expert on 2008, so I'm not going to try and lay everything out. But I've done enough research to know that the variables are completely different. Yeah, um, I, th- I think the mistake people are making is that this stuff is somewhat hard to understand. And so, like, if they can uh, analogize it with something that they do, do sort of understand, they're like, "Oh, that makes sense." Like, it's the fear of the unknown. 
Whereas like, no, you just don't understand it. Just admit that because pretending that you do is going to fuck you up. Like, especially if you try to, you know, do some, take some action on it. Yeah. One, one thing I do want to point out too, is like, if you, if you can zoom right out so you can see like the, like from basically 2006 all the way up till now, so we can see the volume, like look at, so like if you, if you compared say the top of, you know, the first six months when we were selling in the, into the 2008 crisis versus the first six months of this year, look at the difference in volume, mm. right? Like the, what, like when we started selling in 2008, the volume was like, probably it looks like it's almost double or at least like another 50% more of what it is now. Like that's what panic looks like. Like that's what true like panic selling looks like. So the fact that we don't like, if you look at the volume, like on the, on the way that you have the chart zoomed out right now, I mean, look at, look at the, the peaks of the volume where we're at right now. I mean, it's, it's basically like an average volume level, right? Like if you look back to, you know, 2018, 2015, like all those different years, the volume right now as we're selling is nothing significant. So that tells me that like you, you like hedge funds and big, like big money guys like that are the ones that are really going to drive prices down into a hard recession. And if those guys aren't selling, like that's, that's what you see. That's why I like volume, right? You see those massive volume spikes like we did in 2008, because that was all those hedge funds and, and fund managers and all those guys panicking out. So right now we don't see that. We're at half the volume. So like there's no panic, like nobody's freaking out about this. Everybody's just basically waiting and just waiting to see when the, when the market's going to turn around again before they can start really buying into their money. And that's why I'm kind of combining that on the shorter term with every dip seems to have a spike in volume which kind of shows me that people are starting to buy. Like every time they get a low price, they want to buy in because they're trying to get the best price. So you combine that with the fact that there isn't, isn't overall high volume like we had in real times of crisis. Like that tells me, like that alone is, you know, those, it's, it's clear as day that it's not, it's not the same thing. That's why I don't understand why people keep relating the two. Like it's, it's very simple. Yeah, there's, uh, there's the other thing that's happening is like, uh, this is, I didn't notice until I zoomed up, but I, but I like this stuff where it's like the, the sell off is like kind of tapering down. Yeah. Like even, though, even though the price is going down, the so is the selling. Like it's, it's, like it's supply and demand, right? Where's the supply coming from when people keep saying it's going to sell off? The people who wanted to sell off have nothing left. <laughs> they, they're right. out, right? So I, I don't know who, who else is left to sell. You know, we should all be like pretty high conviction holders right now, I'd say. Yeah. And then you look at, like, again, you look at 2000, like you look at 2000 and you look at 2008 and through both of those sell-offs volume was increasing as the price was going down. Right. Like there, like, it's just, it's clear as day. That's why I just like, I don't understand when people start freaking out about this stuff is because volume, like, it's like David saying volume is decreasing overall as the price is going down, which shows you that nobody's panicking and combine that with the fact that we have volume, the volume spikes occur at the new low prices tells you that people are buying at new low prices and the fact again that overall overall <laughs> the total volume is less than we saw in you know 2008 when we had the real crisis i mean all that tells me that we're not going into any sort of major cataclysmic recession so I don't, it's just there's nothing to be worried about really like the, the the factors are not the same at all like everybody just keeps like to compare it because i think really what happened is because like because COVID happened and we had this huge drop and then we, we basically said, oh, from the bottom of that drop up until now, you know, the markets went up, you know, whatever percent, like that was such a huge move in a year and a half, right? Like, what is that? 121%. Yeah. So the market went up, you know, 121%. But, but what if you go from the top of COVID up to the, up to the highs of now? Like, what is that? That's, 
topical. Zero. Like that's where like, we are in 2019? Yeah, so that's like 40%, right? 45-ish, yeah. Yeah, so 40% over a period of, you know, two years. So it's like, it's basically a little less than double the average growth at a time when everybody was staying home, everybody was getting these serve checks, everybody's putting their money in the markets. Like, that makes sense. That's pretty reasonable. It's nothing crazy, right? We've seen these verticals before. Like, it's not that vertical. No, not at all. Like, so... Yeah, I think it's just a lot of like it's just a lot of the social media hype again. We've talked about this before. Where I think just because everybody's so connected now, like there's so many more voices, there's so many more Twitter warriors, there's so many more people just posting stuff on Instagram, and then it goes viral, and then it gets everybody riled up. And but when you just zoom out, and like like I've always said a million times, I mean we keep things so stupid simple because like I'm not a you know I'm not a genius. I know David's a lot smarter than I am, but <laughs> I mean not, that's not all according I look to at, like, creative, right? yeah but like you know i just look at i look at volume and i look at price because that's that's what tells you everything i mean whatever you want to read or whatever headlines you want to read it's not going to like the charts are going to tell you what's happening the charts are telling you that there's nothing to be worried about that's what i see anyways i mean it could be wrong but if i look at the last you know 50 years i mean history tends to repeat itself and there's nothing there that tells me that i should be worried like this was probably the worst. It was like the nineteen, the, the Great Depression. That was the worst. That was the worst. Mm. Of it. Um, but since then, it's relatively speaking, it's been just one straight line. Like if you were to average that out, we probably don't don't deviate very much from it yeah. at all. You know, like yeah, that's like right? almost a perfect linear uptrend, right? Like we had the the tech boom there. That that was a big deviation. But other than that, like and the and the crisis, yeah. uh, housing crisis sell off. Like, but it's really pretty pretty dry. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's um, just, yeah, exactly. And if you look, like, again, if you look at that line that you have there, I mean, the the amount that we deviated, I know that you just kind of threw that in just arbitrarily, but like the amount that we deviated above that now in comparison to the amount we deviated above that in, in the, like in the 2000, when it dropped in 2000 to 2002, like we're way less deviated above that. So like we could like, that's, that's, that's just, again, another reinforcing thing why I think we should bottom here like literally any day now and start, just cruising back up nice and boring and slow again. Yeah, this was a uh, 225% climb. And that was, re- that was like way off of the, like the trend line, basically. Yeah. Yeah, that was, <clears throat> that was nuts. But yeah, like, the, 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 I think the, the other issue is like, because, because we have the internet now, like a lot of the information, like technical analysis out there and people can learn it like fairly easily for free. And then, and, and I think the danger with that is like a lot of people kind of know just enough to kind of recognize what's going on, but not really what's going on behind the scenes. And so like they'll, they'll see like a stupid chart, like, oh, that's a bull flag. So I guess what's, I know what's going to happen next. And it's like, no, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> no, you don't. Right. Well, it's like, um, even just now, you know, like when we broke out, we, when we, when we got past the 4,000 mark again, like you'd see that and you'd say, oh, we broke prior highs, time to buy. Right. But it's on low volume. <laughs> Right, right. Yes. That's why volume is so important. Like, if it's on low volume, nobody's nobody's buying it, right? It's like you know, all the, I, I'm sure anybody who's traded stocks, like just to trade them over a short period of time, is right. Oh yeah, you just buy the breakout. You know, buy the breakout. That's how you make your money. Like, no, you don't buy the breakout unless there's volume. There's like what was that? Three weeks before the breakout, the volume starts to drop. That's like a no go. <laughs> well, we're yeah, that's looking, also like no, we should stay the fuck away from that one. Yeah, or short the hell out of it. <laughs> well, for you, yeah, yeah, that's true, right? Yeah, yeah. So, 
yeah. Let's can, can, can I bug you to look at some other charts right now? Because there's a few that I was very curious about. I'll go back to my macro. The other thing that I find kind of interesting too is that the volume overall has been decreasing in the market, like in the S and P, since 2008. Yeah, I know that. Um, that That's that weird. Worrying. I never thought about that before. I wonder. If, I wonder if that just like it's because it scared like a whole generation of people out of investing. It, it did. It did. But I think it scared the Gen Xers. Gen, Gen Xers. Uh, so the boomers have the most equities in, uh, or, or the most uh, value in equities. Next up is Gen X, and the millennials probably have nothing. Um, and Gen Z's <laughs> probably have nothing. So, yeah. yeah, it's right around that time. Like, I think a lot of Gen Xers got burned and told their kids, don't invest in the market. You don't know that stuff. It's gambling. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it, it is if you don't know what you're doing. Oh, f my crazy charts. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so uh, this is the tenure. I just wanted to see what you what you thought of the bonds because oh, me yeah. and Brendan, me and Brendan were pretty settled around this time that we weren't going to pass previous highs. It was about three point two percent, but but it broke past that like pretty pretty powerfully. And there's no volume on bonds either. It's, it does yeah, yeah. They, they do that behind doors. So yeah, but that's what I hate about it, bonds. Volume but, tells you everything, right? But uh, but across the board, like they just blasted through. Like they just blasted through. Yeah. Now zoom out a little bit. What about it? Uh, the, oh, take, pick the ten year because that's a little bit more uh, important. Yeah, looks like we just broke previous previous like all time. No, not even. So, there, yeah. so this. Whoa, okay. This is back in. The, I don't know. Again, it's the same. Oh, it's the same kind of thing, though, right? Like we sold off so fast, like those drops so fast that you're going to get that same sort of quick recovery, right? The perfect V, yeah. And then it's going to have to get back up to those tops before it sort of sets a direction again. So like, it's really like bonds, bonds are really tough. Like I don't, I don't have enough, I don't have enough education in bonds specifically. I mean, I can look at the chart and tell you what I think, but without volume, it's so hard to like, it's so hard to read something without volume. Yeah. Cause it could be doing anything. Like I could, I could look at that breakout if that's on low volume and say that thing's going to tank tomorrow. If it's on like super high volume and it's closed above previous highs, I think that thing is going to keep going up. I think this is going to be the most important line. Because we fell through that and never made it back up, and now I'm wondering if we're going to get a second rejection or second or third rejection. That's a that's a tough one to get through. If you got something like that, mm -hmm. like when it breaks through and it kind of hits the bottom of it over and over as it's going up, bang, that's really bang. tough to get back through. And look what it started right right here. Right, try to break out twice. It, it got rejected, and you got the RSI diverging, and it's never recovered. Now it's just pure yeah. divergence. So I'm yeah, wondering if through. if it does get like well, again, I'm talking about like an actual stock chart if. If you have a stock chart like that and it does get back through a line like that when it's been hitting the bottom on an uptrend for a while, that's when it just rips your face off and goes, you know, a thousand percent. <laughs> Let's take a look at oil. That that thought scares me because every time I look at that chart, I'm like, please don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, oil's been out there for a while. Crude oil. Oh, looks like we're hitting uh, previous uh, support. Yeah. Perfect. It's got a lot of it's got a lot of resistance above it now though. Like it's got the hundred, the whole dollar right there, and it's got that base on a hundred where it base before couldn't retest prior highs. Like there's a lot of a lot of bearish stuff happening right there. So I don't know if you've heard, but like so oil's down but from like a hundred the peak of like 130 bucks, 120 bucks to like we're like 86 bucks right now. This is uh, crude oil. Mm -hmm. But then somehow prices are still high. Like my buddy just told me in Vancouver they're they're back up to over two two bucks now. Yeah, yeah, I was hearing that too. Well it's just you know, it's just government, right? They can charge whatever they want. So this is, this touches on a bigger issue. Like I, I went raging on uh, Instagram, like I'm thinking on Friday, because um, 
I saw this, uh, it was a headline. It said the, the three biggest rail companies in, uh, in the States, they basically have a monopoly, not, not for uh, transport of people, but like cargo, they all increased like profits by 24, 25% on lower sales or like lower customer, um, deliveries. And so like that mm. could only be from price increases. Right. Yeah. And so like my whole thesis this whole time is like, we, this is none of this inflation that we're feeling now has anything to do with money printing. It's all from, uh, corruption and, um, basically like taking advantage of a situation, right? First we had, we had the bad luck of, um, well, when we had, when we reopened, the demand was real. Like there was a huge demand there and people just couldn't start up fast enough. So there was real demand. But right after that, people forgot for how many months we dealt with that, uh, that canal being blocked and basically like all these fucking containers couldn't go anywhere. And the weeks after that, the, 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 the dock workers in California, um, they stopped, uh, working. They, 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 um, uh, went on strike. So there's a ton of containers not working. Right. And the thing is, it's not just stuff waiting at ports waiting to be unloaded. It's like those containers need to go back and pick up new, new, new shipments. So like, there's just, there's a blockage everywhere. Right. When that started to clear up, um, what was next? We, we had a bunch of things that happened next. Um, but, but yeah, there was like a whole series of events that happened and it, they're all basically leading to, um, fake inflation i want to call it because it's like it's not more money driving um driving up this or buying up the same assets and it's not more demand demand's not there either it's not it's not down but it's not above right and so mm -hmm. like one thing like if you look at energy prices now in europe they're paying 400 percent more than they did uh before the war 100 percent more and then everyone's like pointing the finger at putin 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 uh, he's not giving them gas blah 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 and i'm like well if you look at, and I just found this out like last weekend, I went down a rabbit's hole to see how the energy market in the, in the, in the Europe works. So they have like a fake market system where it's like, they basically have a monopoly and the government tried to break up with the monopolies by saying, okay, you're an energy company, you're in gas, you're in solar, you're in, um, whatever nuclear, you can't own all these things. So you're going to pretend to be three different companies and then you're going to, and then your pretend three companies are going to bid on selling, um, wholesale energy to these distributors and these distributors sell it to the retail, uh, retail customers right but it's still a real monopoly you're just asking these people to pretend to, to fake a market system yeah so they did so they fake the market system except it works backwards instead of the lowest bidder winning the highest bidder wins well it sounds it sounds almost sounds similar to like what the mafia did in new york like back in the <laughs> like in the 70s and 80s right like they the mafia if anybody knows that story you know it's the the all the families like they had mafia families the concrete business construction job like they were they were just the heads <laughs> of construction so if anything was over two million dollars then you had to tell the mafia if you were going to bid on it and then if it was over two million and they didn't want you to bid on it i mean you couldn't because obviously you know they just kill you or whatever but they would have you know several different companies and they they're all working together so they'd all bid on the project so they would just bid whatever they want to bid say it's a two million dollar project and they bid you know three, four, and $5 million on this project. And then even if the, the $3 million one takes it and they know, they know it's only $2 million, but they, they have the whole market. So they're going to make a million dollars clean profit then plus whatever else they would have made if they had a bit at, at cost. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that's how, the, that's how the mafia basically made all their money in New York. It's the same, same idea. Right. And there's still companies that do that today where like they'll have construction companies, like they have a concrete company, they own the building company and they own the development company and they do the same thing. Like they all kind of work with each other. So like the money all goes to the same place and then you can get away with that kind of stuff. So like it, ha it happens in every industry. So it's not like, it's not a surprise. People just, people just, I, th I don't know. I think maybe people are just like, they think that can't happen or like they think that the world can't be that corrupt when it really is. I mean, like this stuff's been going on forever. It's just the reality.
so I was thinking about that hard when I, uh, when I, when I, when that came, came to me. Right. And I was thinking about how, people can't be that fucking stupid. And what I realized, what I think the most rational answer is, um, people don't care when times are good or not mm -hmm. enough people care when times are good. Right. You, 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 you know, you, maybe, you know, that's going on, but your life is livable. You don't want to rock the boat. You're like, well, what can I do anyway? And so everybody just kind of turns a blind eye. Yeah. I think it's also but, that and people say like blissfully unaware, right? I mean, if you look at, yeah. it's like, if you look at, you know, uh, like oil or construction or anything like that, it's like who, for one, who really has the time that they want to go and figure all this stuff out. And then it's not like you're going to find an article. Yeah, we do. But like, you know, <laughs> it's not like you're going to find an article that says, you know, oil companies are all a monopoly and this is how they corner the system. And this is exactly how much they're charging you extra when they don't have to, like, you're never going to find that article. And it's, and if you do, it's not going to be credible, right? So you have to kind of like put all these pieces together and kind of come up with the the scenario yourself. And a lot of people won't do that. And then if they do do that, they don't really believe themselves because they think, no, nah, there's no way that this could actually be happening. Or if somebody else tells it to them, they're like, no, nah, like, really? Like, you know, no, that can't be happening. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, there's a war going on. It's got to be because of the war, right? That's just the easy way out. And it's just, it's just blissfully unaware, right? It's easier to think like that. But at the end of the day, I mean, like you said, there really isn't anything that we can do. I mean, I can't do anything to change what my gas price is down the street. I just have to pay for the gas. So I don't lose sleep over it. Like, does it suck? You know, when I have to put, you know, a couple hundred dollars into my truck and stuff every few days or into my boat or whatever I want to do. Like, yeah, sure. Like, I would love it if it was half the price, but it's not. So I'm just going to pay for it because I don't have a choice. Like, <laughs> uh, See, that's that's exactly what I mean. I think it's because it doesn't bother people enough there's a line i don't know where it is but there is a line right and mm -hmm. it's like when it bothers if the if, if economic conditions get bad enough like let's say unemployment went to 15 percent, i guarantee you heads are going to roll right mm -hmm. um yeah. so i think we're just at a point where like most of the world is not bothered enough by it but although europe looks like they're about to um start some revolutions quite a few actually but a lot of that price just goes back into the consumer anyways right like you like if you you know gas prices go up and every, all your consumables go up like your groceries go up your raw materials go up like everything goes up by that amount of price so like the contractors and the people that are that are using these that are making money off these supplies and the shippers and all these people it doesn't matter to them like they just charge more money like i was i was talking to a guy i know that runs like a he runs a tire store and he was saying how I think it was like six months or so ago he was saying how the price for him to ship a container load of tires in from the states it used 30, to be four thousand dollars for a container and he said now it's seventeen thousand dollars so i asked him because i was like holy hell that's like a massive increase i was like you guys like hurting and he just like nonchalantly he was like no i just i just put all that cost back into the tires so the customers pay for it he's like i'm still making the same amount of money so i don't care See, right. at, at, at least he's an honest guy. What part of my thesis was going on was that you, you can actually see the input data versus the output data of what um, uh, retailers are, are costing retailers to buy their products and to, what they're selling it. Input costs are not matching the escalation in output costs, meaning they're jacking up the prices more than is necessary. Your buddy's like, I'm making the same profit. Cool. Yeah. But there's a lot of people out there like, well, we just bumped it up another 25%. They know, right? Yeah. I think, I think lumber is one of those for sure. Cause like lumber went up like 200% or something through COVID and there was like massive shortages everywhere. Like all the builders I knew couldn't get lumber for anything. I couldn't get it for any of my stuff. Like it was a nightmare like to find like, like I'd sit on the phone for literally days calling around trying to find anything that, that, that we could use and uh, nobody would have anything. And then now like stock is zero issues like stock is through the roof everything's coming in like normal nobody has any problems getting lumber and the prices are still like well over 100 percent what they were pre-covid 
So like, what's the reasoning for that? I mean, ga- like yeah. gas prices aren't up over a hundred percent. So where is that coming from? Right. And that's what, that's what I said during COVID too. I said, you know, what's going to happen is these prices are going to go up 200% and then they're going to drop them, you know, 25 or 30%. And then it's going to look like a deal. And then you look at two years previous and be like, wow, I'm still spending another, you know, $5 for a two by four that I wasn't spending last year. Right. Yeah. But there's no point in them taking the, like, there's no, there's no incentive for them to drop the prices up because all the different suppliers are doing it to the same degree and people need lumber. Like people are always still going to be building houses. So they're like, they're going to buy it regardless. And then the same thing happens. All that extra price, it just goes back under the consumer. When they build a house, it's an extra $20,000 in lumber now. And then they just mark the house price up $20,000. And that's yeah. just, in your, and that just goes into your mortgage, which is like, you know, what is an, what's another $20,000, like another 80 bucks a month or a hundred yeah. bucks a month on a mortgage, like whatever. Right. So it just, it just keeps traveling down the line. Yeah. Although there's one guy in my building that got screwed with that. So he's a project manager in a construction site. And he said that he lost a bid for his job, but he's glad he lost a bid because the guy that won the bid ends up losing money on the job because of how much lumber changed during the bidding process. <laughs> like how yeah. fucked up is that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a problem. So, so he's gonna do a job at a loss, and he can't get out of it. Like that fucking. Sucks. I know, I know, that is tough. Yeah, yeah, you got to be careful the way you write your contracts on those. Yeah, man, but but this goes back to exactly what I was saying. Like this shit is all like it's all synthetic. Now they now mm-hmm. that the retailer knows they can sell to the consumer for that price, they're unlikely to reduce it, even though they can. So it's like, you know, how much of this is inflationary? How much of it is just greed? If we're to chart that, I guarantee you, it's more greed than, in, than there is some kind of demand level inflation. Yeah. But I mean, like, why wouldn't you? Like, it's human nature, right? I mean, if you had a business and you were sitting there thinking, okay, like, you know, during COVID, I was like, I was strapped for cash, like things were way too expensive. I was barely making any money. Like nobody could come into my store. Now, all of a sudden, you're on the other side of that. And it's like, well, you know, I could just lower my prices back to what they were and make the same amount of money. Or I could try and make up for all those losses and keep my prices high. And then Maybe I'll just keep them high forever because then I can make even more money in the long run. Like, what? Like, what's the incentive as a business owner to drop your prices? Yeah, there's um, there's one, but nobody ever cares, and that is um, uh, basically breaking the economy. Like, there's a breaking point, and then so what happens when that breaks, right? Um, because right now, I, I think I sent sent the group like a bunch of charts, like maybe a few weeks ago, where it's like consumer credit across the board, U.S. Canada is all time high government credits like everybody's buying the shit on credit and at some point um especially with interest rates going up at some point some group is going to become insolvent and that's going to create an escalation of people just busting and then the banks are going to be loaning even less and they're going to raising interest rates and fees even more and it just becomes a bad vicious cycle but that always has to come from the top though right those those mass changes have to come from the top because again you know if you say if you say like oh well you know people are going to be worried about the economy or something like that or like What's the impact on on inflation overall? It's like you know, buddy down the street who owns a convenience store. Like he's sitting there. Well, like if I lower my prices on my on my chocolate bars, you know, I'm not going to solve the U.S.'s inflation or Canada's inflation problem. So no, like I'm just not going to do that, right? And then you multiply that by two hundred thousand businesses, and, and then you have a problem, right? But unless unless it's like, but then how do you do that? How do you do that on mass? Like do you tell? every single lumber store like you guys must lower your prices by 40 percent. like that would be a, a logistical nightmare if you did that in anything 
No, it, it, yeah, I agree. It's a very ridiculous problem. I wouldn't expect individuals to even attempt to solve it, though. This is like one for the government. Like, because because yeah. because because the trigger is going to be fucking idiot Powell that keeps raising interest rates. Like the fucking that's what's going to fucking do it. The the few people who have control of this thing who might be able to like ease a soft landing, they're going to raise the interest rates way higher to to a point where it will trigger um a lot of these insolvencies. That's what I'm worried yeah. about. Because the that's way the that guy's speaking is like. He, he he's not letting he's he actually thinks he's in a fight you don't fight how do you fight inflation there's no fight you just manage yeah. it you understand what it's doing and you manage it like fuck are you fighting it for like typical yeah, american like, thing it's like you read anything about like when you look at any trading book like a lot of people talk about the stock market is like you know anytime it's the price is moving in one direction it's like a train right or like a like a shipper like it takes time to slow down it's not like it just goes like straight up and then straight back down and straight like you know, it takes time. You got to kind of slow the curve and the momentum slows and then it yeah. starts to pick up in the other direction. So that's the same problem is like if the price, you know, if the stock market's com coming down and it's picking up speed and you and you just crank inflation through the roof to try and stop that, well, that's just going to cause more problems. You need to you need to ease into that to allow that thing to come down slowly and start to yeah. slowly bottom. Let those like you got to look at this thing in like a yearly time frame, not yeah. in like a like, oh, we got to fix this, like, you know, before Thanksgiving sort of thing. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know why they're, that's a good point. I don't know why they're acting like there's a deadline for this thing. Like, so what? Like, if you don't, if you don't raise rates by like, I don't know, 0.75% uh, next quarter, like, is that, is, 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 is so much going to change? It's not that dynamic, right? Like their, their CPI data is like a month, two months behind, like 30, 30 45 to 60 days behind. And so yeah, the, what you, what you're doing now, is not going to show up, you know, until a month later. Yeah. And you have to leave it at a, say, at a certain level for a long enough time to really see how it's being affected yeah. too, right? Like you yeah. can't, you, Let's like you say you can't you can't raise it X amount right now and then check it in a month or two months and be like oh it didn't you know it didn't do enough <laughs> we got to raise it more it's like no 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 like give this thing some time give it some time to settle and like yeah. actually get into the economy and do what it's gonna do that's yeah it's, yeah it's just like, it's weird I, honestly a lot a lot of it probably just comes from pressure right like a lot of it probably just comes from like stress on a, you know on an individual human who's sitting there and thinks the whole world's falling apart and everybody's screaming at him every day on the news. And he's thinking, I got to fix this now so I can stop dealing with all this bullshit. So that's probably where it comes from. Uh, Realistically, I, will, right? I mean, like the human factor is a huge part of all of this. I will say to his credit, it is a thankless job. It's like being a cop. It's, it's no one's going to like anything you do ever. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like I've said this before on the show. Like when I went to school for engineering, like one of the first things my teacher told me is like, congratulations on getting the most thankless job in the world. <laughs> he's like, if you design, if you design and build like the San Francisco bridge, he's like, nobody's going to thank you for it. If that bridge falls down, they're all going to want to put you in prison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know? you do some revolutionary design that like lowers, I don't know, bridge collapses by like whatever percentage the industry standard is. Nobody fucking knows or cares. No, everybody's just like, oh, why didn't you do that years ago? That's, just <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's true. It's true, man. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that's the last of the charts I wanted to see. Um, oh, I do want to just rub rub some people the wrong way though with gold because fucking gold bugs. Where where is where's the gold? All right, I'm out of the gold, so I'll let you take that one. Oh, I just want to show you how ugly it is. Here's here's the thing. I actually did have a little bit of hope. Uh, I think it was a 2020 2021. I was saying like it was it was forming this cup and handle, and I was like it was around here, and I said, wow, it might be forming the uh, the handle, and then nope. Uh, yeah, that's a hard fail off that. <laughs> was that march 2022 that's exactly when everything just just fucking dropped that's like a, that's like a perfect cup and handle failure that's awesome <laughs> right it was such a great setup too yeah yeah, yeah it is right. here's oh. the funny part um right. where's, where's uh 
2000 snow. Let me let me let me zoom out even more. Here's something that's funny. You won't be able to see it on this chart, but uh, well, actually, you can. I remember I put that line there. That's why. Um, so gold went up uh, pretty crazy. It was in the 70s, right? The 70s boom, 70s and 80s, and then just kind of been like de declining for like what the better part of fucking 30 years. Yeah, 1980 to 2007, 30 years. It basically declined. So, oh. You know, a lot of our viewers are probably new to investing, and so like you probably they've probably heard like the whole the old thing, adage that like gold is you know a recession proof asset and this and that. I'm like, no, it's not. First of all, it declined for a good thirty years before it started uh, breaking to new highs. But if you were to actually look at the um, the increases, like let's say from the average here to like where we are now, that's only about two hundred and fifty, two hundred and sixty percent. No, oh, three hundred percent, three hundred percent increase over 20 something years it basically uh, lost to inflation yeah it, so how is it in you know what i mean like they're not well recession proof doesn't even exist like that term doesn't <laughs> make sense to me because like recession proof the only thing that that would apply to is a, is a specific time frame right mm -hmm. like any any stock that you own can technically be recession proof depending on what your time frame is so like yeah. how long are you going to own something if you're going to own like you buy any any good index i mean if you're going to own it for for essentially over 10 years like if your if your outlook on anything is over 10 years you've just bought something that's recession proof congratulations <laughs> that's, that's true that's true right that is true i want to just uh see, see if i can superimpose this fucking thing uh if i can find it uh with the s p 500 because apparently it went up 600 percent over 1970 until now so is that like 50 years yeah. I want I want to just visualize what the fucking S and P did during that time because I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna wager it did quite a bit better. Where is it? Let's the 60s on. Yeah. I can't find the uh, okay comparison indicator. Wait here here you go. Nice. Same scale, so people can't think I'm that I'm cheating. <laughs> Holy shit! It's it's so far off that I can't even fucking yeah, move this yeah. thing to, to adjust. But but basically like. What gold did in like for 30 years, the S&P did like 20 years earlier and just kept yeah. going up. It's not even close. That's hilarious. So like... 5,000, 5, 6,000%? Is that what it is? 5,000% for gold, yes. But S&P is oh. in the thousands of percentages. It's like, it's not, it's off, it literally is off the charts. <laughs> it's actually That's off awesome. the charts. Right? Yeah. So like... I just want to break that just so people can understand, like, stop listening to like these old guys repeating shit that they've heard when they were kids, like verify, right? Yeah. Don't even trust what I'm saying. Just fucking go out there and verify. This was really easy. Gold is, it's, it's not anything too. It's just like, it's just a, it's just a thing. Oh, it's not like something's man. growing or expanding or advancing. If you under, if I, I, so I, I went the, the same time I went down the rabbit hole of a bunch of different things, um, on central banks like a few weeks ago i found out some stuff about gold too like that i already knew but i was, but but i didn't know the whys so like th this is what people already know the, the paper gold market is all fugazi it's all bullshit um because if you were to all the owners of gold on the paper market if they were to redeem it for real gold there would be like three out of four people would be out, left out um empty-handed yes. right? so they basically multiplied the this the the supply so, yeah. so the whole market is like bullshit anyway. It's like, so how can it be inflation proof? And clearly it's basically fiat. People are just printing money, uh, printing paper, gold, like, you know, yeah, instead of actually have enough gold to give to everybody. Yeah. You can take physical delivery, but most like 99.9999% people don't. And like, I yeah. wouldn't even know how you take delivery of like a million dollars in gold. Like, 
what, what kind of security you would need, right? Yeah, a bunch of those big bricks and just pile them around your house. I, so I've had those bricks before when I used to work at Brinks, um, right, right when 08 happened after they got attacked with, with the, uh, the people on wall street did was they started not holding their gold in one place. So they moved a lot of it to Brinks. And then, mm -hmm. so our, um, we, we're Brinks trying, we're the, we're the flagships. And then we had like a gold, a huge gold vault, um, or precious metals vault. By the time we had a lot of gold. That's cool. And then there, <laughs> there's always a challenge. It was like, if you could pick up a bar of gold with one hand, you can keep it. Yeah. How much does yeah. it weigh? Like what are they, like a hundred pounds or something? I, I don't even know the exact, well, actually the, the, the guy who's managing will know the down to the like percentage of ounces because he needs to, but, but what yeah. makes it hard to grab is because of the stupid shape and the fact that it's just so like slippery that like, you can't, yeah, there's yeah. no, there's no way. It's I just think of like a hunk of steel. It's that big. I mean, that'd be heavy as hell. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, so that, so that gold thing was pretty interesting. Um, moving, it was a bitch. It, it bends pretty easily. Like if you just like hit the side of a skid, like, oops. <laughs> i guess i guess as long as the weight is there they don't care it doesn't have to be perfect but yeah yeah it doesn't have to look great as long as it's still gold you know yeah man. yeah all right. all right well i think that was a good uh good little recap after our hiatus yeah <clears throat> so i think we're going going forward i don't know if we can still do weeklies but what i'm trying to do is um oscillate between or um between brendan and kaylin so we can keep it semi-regular and then mm -hmm. so that that way kaylin can you know make some time uh it's less, less, less of a big um, thing out of his, his day to be able to do it. And then, uh, yes, put some of the, uh, the work onto Brendan too. And yeah, it's yeah, like more regular. The, uh, the macroeconomic guy, more of the, uh, the chart analysis. So that'll work out pretty good. Yeah. I think, I think, I think it's going to be a good split because um, there's definitely people that enjoy both. I think more, I, predominantly more people enjoy the charts though. Uh, do, especially do what you do. Like if, if, you, if they could learn how to short from you, <laughs> that would be like. <laughs> I think it seems easier. It looks <laughs> easier when I, when I talk about it, it probably seems a lot simpler, but I mean, to be honest, it probably is. It's just, you know, you're going to pull your hair out trying to figure it out. So that's the fun part. Well, it's me. easy after you know how to do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> getting there's the bitch. Yeah. Getting there is what makes you lose your mind, but yeah, it's fun. Yeah. All right, guys. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Take care.